because I am a person of faith. I am a follower of Jesus. For me, success is, have I done what I believe God was leading me to do? And with my first book, I just had this pull that I was supposed to write it down. And so I would say that pull that you feel, you know, just honor that and, and really get down to your why. Why are you writing this? We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm so glad that you're here to listen to another interview with an amazing published author. And I'm glad you're here because I know you have all these podcasts to select from, and I'm honored that you selected a Writer's Day podcast to listen to. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to my podcast or follow me on social media. And be sure to visit artbyruth.com, my website, to sign up for my newsletter so you become aware of all the upcoming events and book giveaways that I'll be doing each month. And coming this week is my Facebook Live event on Thursday, February 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time, where I will be celebrating the book launch of my new prayer journal, See Kim Prayer Journal, 25 Prayers of Hope, with other authors of devotionals and podcasters, and all of you, where we will gather together one night to chat about the importance of prayer in our lives. So be sure to join the Broken Vessels Mended by God Facebook group, and there you'll find information about how to join the live event on Thursday, February 23rd. I look forward to seeing you there and getting to chat with you and these other amazing authors about the importance of prayer. Jennifer Dybul warmed her way into the hearts of romance readers with her debut novel, A Dance in Donegal. And now she's inviting readers to return to the Emerald Isle and her newest novel, The Maid of Ballymacool. In this book, she's offering a new take, a fresh take, on the Cinderella story. So you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Jennifer Dybul talk about her new book. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. I'm excited to have you here because we're going to be talking with my friend Jennifer Dybul about her new book, The Maid of Valley McCool. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me back. It's always so much fun chatting with you. Of course, of course. And I'm excited for you because this new book is coming out this month. So right. why don't you catch my listeners up about uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods, and then we'll talk about this amazing book. Okay, sounds good. So um, I am a middle school English teacher by day. So I spend my the bulk of my time wrangling gloriously awkward seventh graders teaching English. Um, and when <laughs> I'm not there, I'm at home. I've got three kids. I've got a senior, a sophomore, and a sixth grader this year. So we are in the middle of just doing all of the things. And when I'm not doing all of those things, then I am writing and I'm so excited. Um, the Maid of Ballymacool is my third book to release with Ravel, and I just turned in my fourth book for them. Yay! 
um, last week, actually. So I'm kind of recovering, <laughs> <laughs> recovering from the deadline stupor of that one, but also thinking ahead to book five, which is going to get started here pretty soon. Isn't that exciting? Wow, how fun. So I remember when you just were releasing your first book. <laughs> yes, I remember when I wasn't sure if I would ever release my first book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been quite a journey for you, huh? From Ireland, from you living in Europe to Ireland to back here in the United States. And wow, what a journey it's been. And now you have a senior in high school. Yes, and she just accepted. She got, well, she was being pursued by a ton of colleges, but she just accepted at her first choice um, just a couple of days ago. So I'm still in denial. Um, (laughs) It hasn't really hit me yet, but yeah, we're doing all of those things. And it's just can't believe we're already here <laughs> yeah it's a interesting time of life but you are happy for them you're sad to see them go but happy for them yes. at the same time yes exactly parts of life kind of like a book you're happy to see it yes. go but a little scared too <laughs> yes <laughs> well we are all very excited for you for this new book so tell us a little bit about this story and the inspiration behind it so this story was so much fun to write. Um, it follows uh, Brianna Kelly, who is the um, lowest scullery maid at Valley McCool Boarding House um, or Boarding School for Girls. And she's basically lived there her whole life. Um, she's an orphan. She was left on the doorstep of the headmistress when she was just an infant. And so the headmistress has sort of raised her, but definitely not as her own. Um, So she's treated differently than the rest of the staff and her life has been very difficult. And when she was younger, she always kind of felt this pull to do more, be more like she was going to change the world. And that's just sort of been kind of beaten out of her um, Mm -hmm. literally and metaphorically. And um, just when she's kind of getting to the end of her rope, a stranger shows up on the campus who's been sent to deal with his unruly cousin because um, his brother is down in Dublin on his estate. And this is set in 1935. And so there's still a lot of unrest going on in the Republic. And so his brother can't come and take care of his own kid. And Michael's parents can't do it either. So he's sent there to deal with this unruly cousin of his. And um, him and Brianna quite literally run into each other. And there's just something about her that that draws her, draws him to her and um they just end up kind of happy in these happy accidents ending up spending all this time together and then um she finds something out in the woods she gets to go out once one one afternoon a week and she goes and explores the woods and she finds this piece of metal and she doesn't know what it is and so he agrees to help her kind of get it cleaned up and figure out what it is and get to the bottom of it and um there's some twists and turns, a little bit of mystery. It's it's a Cinderella-esque type story, but mm-hmm. it's not so much a Cinderella retelling, but it definitely has some of those elements to it. And it just kind of wrestles with those themes of identity and belonging and family and kind of purpose and how that relates when life isn't really going the way that we think it should be going. Sounds fascinating. And I love the names, Brianna. Ooh, that's pretty. Did you, did that name come from someone you knew or? Um, you know, I, I do have a sweet friend named Brianna and um, that did, she, I wouldn't say she inspired it, but she definitely made me like, like the name more. 
Um, but I also chose it because Brianna, the way it's spelled in the book with a B-R-I-A-N-N-A is the female form of Brian and Brian Boru was one of the, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, one of the um, like mythological fighters and kind of, he was like a war hero, kind of strong personality. And so I wanted to kind of gift that to her through her name as well. No, oh, there's always, it's always fascinating to hear the stories behind the names that authors mm. select. And that's why when I saw it, I thought, oh, I think there might be a story behind this one. <laughs> <laughs> so an orphan, uh, so a young woman, uh, a little baby abandoned. Mm-hmm. And where did you come up with this idea? So I was just kind of scrolling through pictures of Ireland and where we lived in Galway about an hour away was Kylemore Abbey, which is one of the most recognizable buildings in Ireland. Even if people don't know the name, they've seen the picture in it. It sort of kind of looks like if Buckingham Palace was plopped down into Ireland, that sort uh-huh. of regal. And I was doing some research about it. And I learned that it at one time had been a boarding school run by nuns. And I got to thinking, what would happen if... Uh, you know, there was a girl that like was raised by the nuns because some, you know, originally I thought, well, maybe her parents were from the mainland Europe and something happened and just started kind of thinking those what if questions. And then I was scrolling Instagram one day and came across um, a reel of drone footage of Valley McCool House, which is an actual place uh, in County Donegal, just outside of Letterkenny town. And um, it was this old ruin of a building covered in ivy and it was just sort of haunting. And so then I went and looked that up and it has a fascinating history in its own right. So then I kind of mushed the ideas together of just, I really was thinking through that idea of where do you find your identity when you don't have that natural identity from your family. And, you know, our culture today talks a lot about identity. So I was just thinking, you know, where would somebody in that situation find theirs and and Mm. what would that mean and what would that look like? Yeah. Like if it was, you were born and you didn't, and didn't have one when they, when you're old enough to start asking questions, would you make, yeah. Would you make one up or would you'd be so desperate to find one, right? Yes. That's interesting. So, this story, though, has been in your head for a while, and I find that the setting seems to be really important to you, not just Ireland, but mm. like you said, the Bally McCool house and everything. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking a little bit on these podcast episodes about the importance of setting. How did you go about showing it rather than just telling, you know, just telling mm. your readers, this is Bally McCool house and this is the history behind it? You know, how did you right. go about showing it? Yeah. I I really try to make it to where people feel like they're there because when you when you're in any place there there's a feeling to it um you know we it smells a certain way the air feels a certain way the sounds echo in a certain way that's different from anywhere else and so I tried to of course I have no idea what it actually sounded like in there but I tried to as best I could from my research kind of recreate you know what it would have felt like in it and it's meant to feel kind of kind of like a whitewashed tomb sort of it 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 seems really grand and and rich and luxurious at first glance but then the the deeper you look the more you start to see some of the flaws which kind of echoes some of the other characters as well so just really trying to bring in those five senses and just imagine 
typically when I write the scene I'm working on plays out in my head like a movie. Um, and then I just kind of write down what I see and hear and imagine what I would be smelling and things like that. So yeah. my time living in Donegal, I, I didn't know Ballymacool existed when we lived there. I wish I had, but I've been in the area where it is. And so I, I've been there and felt what the air feels like. I know what it smells like. And so that was really helpful bringing some of that authenticity to it. Yeah. Cause you, you work hard to give your readers that experience. Yes. In case they are never able to go there <laughs> like me. Exactly. <laughs> and that's my, my biggest goal is that if someone's never able to, to actually go to Ireland, I want them to feel as if they, they had been um, through the pages of the story. Mm, great idea too. Great tip too for listeners out there. Do your best as you're writing to include all the five senses, if at all possible, mm -hmm. because that's what really draws us, you know, the readers into your story. Yes. And one of a friend of mine, a couple of writer friends of mine actually have made this observation and I don't remember where they learned it. So I wish I can't connect it back to the original source, but they, they try to include one or two of the senses in every scene. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of have that in the back of my mind. And that's been really helpful for me to get, because I tend to fall down the description rabbit hole, <laughs> um, just going on describing the colors and, you know, which kind of, I just focus on that site. And so thinking about, okay, what other two senses could I bring into play here? has been really helpful for me. Yeah, especially the smells and the, the sounds. Oh, yes. that's great. Now, your other stories were set in the early 20s, so why did you want to set this book in the 1930s? So this story, um, Valley McCool House, like I said, has its own uh, unique history, and the house was owned by uh, one of the um, ascendancy class families, which was the sort of upper class that replaced the landed gentry once um, Ireland had its independence from England. And so this, this ascendancy class was the Protestant upper class. And so the Boyd family originally owned and lived there. They had purchased it and that was their family home. And then um, at one point in the um, Irish uprising, it was raided by soldiers and the family was ousted. And so then they looted a bunch of valuables from the house and they stayed, the soldiers stayed there for a couple of weeks and then they moved on. But some of the items that were looted um, had never been recovered. And in my research, I learned about one particular item that I won't talk too much about because I don't want to give too much away, but mm -hmm. um, it was something that had never been recovered. And so then I started thinking, my gosh, what, what could that thing have gone through? And what if, what if somebody suddenly came across it and what could it mean? Because it was, it was a very valuable piece that dated all the way back to Mary Queen of Scots. It was a wedding gift wow. um, and it had been passed down through the family. So um, that was fun to, to tie in some of that. So, but in order for the raid to have happened and for all of this to happen at a time when Brianna would be old enough to be falling in love and all that kind of stuff, I had to, I had to kind of do the math and figure <laughs> out where, when does this story need to take place? <laughs> and it's important because with the setting of the story, it's not just where the story takes place, but like you said, the era, the time, the history behind it adds mm -hmm. to it, just builds and builds. 
And one thing about writers is we have to make connections. So mm. how, what's the connection? I mean, you've shown the connection of the setting of the story to the characters, but what's the connection between Brianna and the male protagonist, Michael? So from the moment he lays eyes on her, he is drawn to her, not just because she's beautiful, which she is, but there's just something about her that seems he can't really put his finger on what what it is that's drawing him to her. But eventually, as the story goes on, he she just feels familiar to him, but he has no idea why she's never left the grounds. Um, he you know, they've never crossed paths. And so it, it, it doesn't make any sense. But even though he's there to deal with his cousin, um, he he starts to notice the difference in the way Brianna is treated versus versus the rest of the staff. And so he um, just has this natural kindness to her that she has been missing because she's been kept separate from the rest of the staff. And so she hasn't had any of those friendships or anything that people would have. And so his kindness really draws her to him. Um, but at the same time, it unsettles her because not only is he kind to her, which, you know, stirs these feelings in her that she's never had, but she also, he's blindingly handsome. And so she's <laughs> like, helps. what is happening? You know, like, she's like, what, there's no point, you know, he's up there and I'm way down here. Like what's happening. So that brings the inner conflict for her, but just that, that bridge of kindness. And they, they discover that they both share the same types of things that call them to pray and the way that they pray and things like that. And so just that connection on the spiritual level as well, that she hasn't had with anybody up to that point in her life mm, that's beautiful it sounds like you had to do quite a bit of research for this story and pretty much all your books what's your process for that do you start with the research first or do you start with the story first and then start researching um you know it it kind of depends usually they it my story idea starts with kind of those what if questions that i was talking about before yeah, yeah. um and then the research i do some on the front end, um, but a lot of it I end up doing kind of as I'm writing. Yeah. Um, a lot of it came from my own experiences. So, so far, all of my stories have been set in places that I've been. Mm -hmm. So I know just kind of inherently a lot of the history and what it would be like and what it looks like and what road goes where and that kind of stuff. But then I find myself, you know, searching like, what would they do in Ireland in 1935 if someone had a fever or when did electricity come to Donegal, you know, things like that. <laughs> um, so just kind of what life was like in the twenties and thirties, because Ireland, especially the rural parts were so far behind what we think of the world being like in the 1930s, there was not electricity in most homes. Wow. Um, the, the first telephone went into a house in Donegal in the 1950s. So just kind of figuring out what did they have available? What would their clothes have been like? Because it was all, they kind of took them longer to get all of the trends as they, as they came along. Wow. That does change things quite a bit for us as we're reading to just try and get it, wrap our brains around that, you know, no, yes. no, nothing. What did they do? Yell down yeah. the street. Hey, <laughs> Well, that's interesting. It doesn't seem, I think because you've been there, it probably, the research probably isn't as intimidating, uh, intimidating as if you were writing about, you know, ancient Rome or 
you know, something in you know, like World War II history or something. For sure. Yeah, that yeah. seems to be that seems to help because that's what keeps me from doing some of these historical books is the research makes me want to yeah. cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I will say book four, I've driven through the town where it's set, but I didn't spend a lot of time there. So that I did, I was constantly like I had three tabs of different maps open so I could like, okay, what direction are they going to turn? And so I, there definitely was more on the research end of that one because I kind of branched out a little bit from where I've been. So oh, you're getting braver and braver. Yeah, stretching <laughs> myself, stretching myself, working those writing muscles. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good part of writing though. Now, there seems to be this theme, like you're saying about purpose and identity and, and finding, it seems you want your characters to find their worth from a higher place what what is the takeaway that you want readers to have when they finish your book you know really the the ideal reader i had in my heart and mind when i was writing this story was anybody who's ever felt unseen or overlooked or even just stuck in an uncomfortable or even kind of dismal place with kind of no end in sight I wanted them to see that even if the circumstances never change, they can find that purpose, they can find that hope, and that they are far more known and seen and loved than they could ever imagine. And um, I just, my biggest prayer for all of my books is that it would challenge and encourage everyone who reads it in their own faith, whether they are a person who follows Jesus or they think church is a bunch of hooey that they would just be encouraged to look up and kind of explore who that is that created them and and what how much he loves them um, no matter what their circumstances might make them feel. Oh, that's so hopeful and, and beautiful. I love that. It's important that you really have this meaning and this theme, central theme in your stories for your readers. It tells mm -hmm. me just how much you care about them. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So imagine if you will, you have a writer in front of you who has set out on this journey of writing a book and maybe they feel like they're not a success because it hasn't sold or, you know, they're, they're even struggling to just write the end as a writer. How would you define success as a writer? Hmm. For me, um, because I am a person of faith, um, I am a follower of Jesus. For me, success is, have I done what I believe God was leading me to do? And with my first book, you know, that, that book was over a decade in the making <laughs> with no guarantee that it would ever see the light of day, but I just had this pull that I was supposed to write it down. And so I would say, that pull that you feel you know just honor that and and really get down to your why why are you writing this and if you stay true to that why it doesn't matter if you never sell a single copy or if you hit the new york times bestseller list um, you're successful because you're being true and authentic to that core of who you are and why you're doing what you're doing mm. wise words indeed Jennifer Dybel, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about The Maid of Bally McCool. I'm so happy for you, and I hope that Aww. this book just goes on to bless many readers with this message. 
thank you so much. It's always so much fun chatting with you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and folks, if you want to know more about Jennifer, you can follow her on social media like I do. And you can also <laughs> go to her website at jenniferdiewell.com where I'm sure they can sign up for your newsletter, correct? Absolutely, yes. Great. And that way you'll learn more about her upcoming projects like book four that she just sent in to Ravel. We're so excited. And you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram to keep up what's going on with her life and her writing career. Thanks again, Jennifer, for joining me today. Thank you so much. Wasn't that great to listen to Jennifer talk about her inspiration for this story and how she researched it and brought it all together? I know I was inspired to keep going, no matter what the subject of the book is, because writing is a calling. It's a desire within our hearts. So always keep going forward on this writing journey through every obstacle. Keep going forward one step at a time. And until next time, God bless.